peers. How are you, man? I'm very well, thanks, John. I suppose a timely conversation at the moment regards our former Premier Dan Andrews and some of his exploits in getting into some Peninsula golf courses. And we are in the morning to Peninsula. There's plenty of golf courses. I think last count I heard there's about 20 golf courses. Some of them are really good. In fact, a lot of them are really good. Most of them are pretty damn good, actually. Yeah, there's no bad ones. Look, I play golf down here. And uh, because it's a sandy base soil, you're going to get a fantastic fairway and a great rise in the grass. Yep, and and you get that nice natural undulation, uh, you know, that sort of hummocky Mm -hmm. kind of landforms, which often sand dunes, good drainage, all that stuff. We don't need to sell the golf courses. People know about it, as does the ex-premier Dan Andrews, who I believe plays off a handicap of under 10. And he's a member of Kingston Heath in Melbourne and quite a long-standing member there, I believe. And that's one of the, you know, the established great golf courses, if you like, of the sand belt of Melbourne. I guess the one that the sort of premier one, I suppose, is Royal Melbourne. But I mean, there's there's some really good golf courses. There's a bunch of them. I'm not enough of a golfer to know which is the best. Last, I remember hearing that... that, um, Royal Melbourne was rated as, as number six in the world, That's which is correct. pretty and high. Kingston, and Kingston Heath can get into the top ten as well. So, uh, you know, it, it is it is probably in the world. It'll be in the top 20 yeah. in the world. That's so how we, good it so is. So we're talking about some really amazing golf oh, yeah, courses. Yeah, yeah. And huge wide fairways and, and, and you know. I don't some... know. They haven't actually pretty tight there. Are they? <laughs> oh, that's why it's so interesting because it's such an interesting course. You've got dog legs. You've got you're, talking about, you're talking about Kingston Heath? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Unbelievable course. Yeah, I'm, I, was, I was thinking more of Royal Melbourne, which I haven't Royal Melbourne is, is open. It's yeah, big yeah, wide. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right there. Now, uh, putting aside the actual uh, golf courses concerned, we know they're good. Ex-Premier Dan Andrews also knows they're good. What's been going on with his application? I believe he had some interest or there was some interest expressed on his behalf in becoming a member at the Portsea Golf Club. That's down on the southern end of the Monta Peninsula. Okay, well, I'm a member there and I can tell you now, he hasn't put in an application. Max Beck came down and inquired, would it be possible perhaps to put in an application for him? So there was a big reaction there now. um, Max Beck's a member. Yeah, Max Beck, well, they only joined in the last year or so. He's a member at Sorrento. He's probably a member at most clubs. Mm-hmm. He's only joined us recently. Now, to nominate someone, you've got to be there a year too. Just I'll just add that in. Right. So he hasn't been a member quite a year. So uh, what's happened there is he's come down, he's asked the question, can, can of course, the ex-premier join? And a lot of people with a lot of hoo-ha went on about it. But uh, at this stage, we're not taking new applications until... Um, I think March. Right. So he's got till March to come and see us and, and nominate, and then and then we've got to look at the case as it's seen, and, and and you know, is it a beneficial to the club? Because you don't just walk in anymore in these clubs if you've got oh. you know you've got to sort of bring something to the table, and and that's what if you look at Sorrento uh, Golf Course, now everyone thinks Ports is the big. Big club, it's not. It's Sorrento. Mm. Sorrento's affiliated with Royal Melbourne. It's nearly a 10-year wait to get in there. So right. there's no way he's going to get in there or jump the queue. They won't let him in. He's also, uh, Max has inquired about having him down uh, on the National, which... Is also, Cape Shank? Yeah, which rates in the top 10 in Australia, that, that, that course. Amazing, mm. amazing. There's probably three courses there. And he did play there the other week, and the members really spat the dummy because yeah, it's the morning of the grand final I heard. Yeah, yeah yeah now if you're if you're you can take a guess but normally not on a saturday or there'll be a time after two o'clock you can play but mm. because it, with, there's so many members in these clubs you just can't get a game mm, mm. so um there's members time say at our club you cannot get on on saturday at all because we've got you know over a thousand members and all trying to get a game so uh you've got to get in early and book there are times say 
at the national they got three courses you might you might get on after two but he's dragged him in in members times and he's not a member so they really kicked up over that mm. and that's a no you just can't do that you're not allowed to do it you just well, can't bring we'll, a guest in yeah. on members because that means a member's missed out he's paying his four or five thousand a year to be a member yeah and yeah. he just walks in so yeah um, and i think these clubs have this sort of you're going to be proposed and you're going to be seconded yep. generally that's yep. the way it works by existing members and those people basically say well look, i know this person i've known him for x number mm. of years and there's theoretically there's a limit you know, you're supposed to have known them for five years or minimum. Uh, and there's a good character um, requirement, if you like, which mm. is a pretty general, hard to define thing. But, uh, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily, uh, you know, that was, that was something that became an issue with the ex-premier's application. But from what I hear, there was some resistance or there was some anger over the way golf clubs were shut down during the COVID pandemic, as was the, the peninsula in, in its entirety. So Mornington Peninsula is, you know, the southern end of it's about 130. We, we're, the club we're talking about, your club, Portsea, mm. is about 130 k's by road from, from the CBD of Melbourne. And yet it is class, it is considered Greater Melbourne. We don't have a prefix before our phone numbers. We are considered part of Greater Melbourne. But there were people saying, well, why should we be included in it when the Bellarine Peninsula, two kilometres across the heads, Queenscliff and Geelong, that whole area, was not included in it? Particularly with something like golf, people were up in arms sort of saying, well, look, we're outdoors. We have every opportunity to social distance. It's a solitary game. You're walking along and... They did things like, okay, well, you can only play in pairs, whereas normally you'd play in a four. And then there were times when you weren't allowed to go to golf courses at all, except I think during the lockdown periods, you were allowed to walk the courses. They were open like parks for recreation, but you weren't allowed to be hitting a ball. And maybe the fear was if you picked up the, you know, you handled the the uh, the flag, and then you rubbed your hand in your face or something, you could get COVID that way. But yep. I mean, in reality, all people had to do was just be a bit careful, you know, wash your hands, have a little container of of disinfectant at the, you know, hanging off the flags if you're really worried about it, you know, do something, have some people walking around, just saying to people. Well, some of the courses took the flag flag sticks out, yeah, so over play the without other the side. flag. And, and the point you're making too is some of those courses over on the Bellarine peninsula are only 80 k's out and yet we're 124 out so uh, you've got to ask the question why Mm. was he against the peninsula and especially Portsea and Sorrento and and I guess the national and and there's probably there's one thing screaming in my ears it's not a lot they don't vote for him yeah Yeah. they don't vote for him so Mm. therefore you're going to suffer Mm. yet the people that do vote for me over the other side Mm. and believe you me Geelong's a big city Mm. it's not like you know it's not Mm. like Sorrento Mm. And, and the other point that Everyone was so annoyed at at, at Portsea. There's only a handful of people live in Portsea. There's a handful of people live in live in um, Sorrento, and same in Blair Gary. You know, there might only be twenty percent, twenty five percent people actually live in those areas. Mm-hmm. So therefore, even the chance of getting COVID or going to these golf yeah, courses, yeah. so playing in pairs, they could have played in pairs. He could have done the right thing, but he completely shut the thing down. Now he's got the nerve to walk in and say, "I want to be a member." And uh, why doesn't he go over the other side to where he let them play? They'd probably welcome him with open arms because down this side, people aren't very happy. I mean, you couldn't even go 5K from your house. You were locked up 23 hours a day. You couldn't even go and hit a golf ball. And in fact, I got into trouble. I went down to, and I well, I could have. You can go down for a walk down to uh, down to the end of the Portiano Part of your, your prescribed one hour of exercise yeah, you were so allowed I, to do. So I went down there and there's that massive big, oval there where you could land an aeroplane so i've walked out there with a uh, sandwich and i just practiced 
chipping balls, you know, mm. for my one hour out. Mm. Well, in they came. Although you'd reckon I was a criminal, you know, they get out of here, you can't hit golf balls on this. And I said, why not? You're not supposed to be. Where do you live? What's your name? What's your address? And, and, and oh, hang on, that's, oh, that's oh, it could be over 5Ks away from <laughs> Sorrento. And I'm going, you are kidding me. Get off the oval, go home. Mm. And I said, it's my one hour. No, you can't have it. So mm. there you go. Yeah. So, and you wonder why people... You know, you're going to look back in this in, in, in 10 years' time and go, your kids are going to say, so you weren't even allowed out of your house. You're allowed out for one hour a day and you weren't allowed out after 9 o'clock at night? I, I mean, people are just going to say this eight. is... I think it was 8. Yeah. This, and how long did this come for? Oh, a couple of years. And uh, who came up with this concept? Or oh, Daniel Andrews did. Mm. Now, did, what about New South Wales? No, that was different. Mm. What about other countries in the world? No one had mm. the lockdown like mm. we did. And this is the thing. Like, don't think there's too many places where they could get away with it. Even if you put aside the, the medical advice that he was receiving, I was doing a program through Artable PFM, which is a Mornington uh, local radio station. I had some doctors that I was in touch with up in Melbourne. One of them had, had uh, formed a network called the COVID Doctors Network where he'd got a bunch of specialists, very senior mm-hmm. specialists in Melbourne, who, who basically had penned a, a letter, an open letter to the government, to the Premier and to the Chief Health Officer, saying, in essence, that the cure is worse than the disease your Mm. cure i.e of of lockdown and restriction is worse than the effects of COVID. think of what it's doing to people's education think of what it's doing to kids mental health businesses confidence in the system confidence and and we saw it explode we had riots Mm. in the city we had cops in in riot gear and horses with armor on taking on wild crowds in the in the streets of of melbourne and it was it was triggered by funnily enough the unions uh, uh, members of a, a union objecting to vaccine mandates yep so on various fronts, people's freedoms were being uh, were being affected very, very extremely by the policies of the Dan Andrews government. He did those incredibly boring and self-aggrandizing daily news things, you yeah. know, where he spoke for, often they'd go for two, three, four hours, and it was always an abundance of caution. Do you remember those, oh. those creeping words? Just every time of this sort of stooped guy over his lectern with his hand-picked media scrum, yep. anyone who dared to ask him any curly questions, they were never seen again, and they were harangued. He, you know, he's very good at making people feel small mm. in that context. And the mistakes he made. Do we remember that 860 people died at the hands of putting in uh, nightclub bouncers to mm. protect them? I, I mean, you've got to be kidding. Mm. You know, and they then, hired, and they then hired them on WhatsApp. They hired them. The people who, to, you're talking about the people who, who guarded the quarantine yep. hotels, where people who arrive from overseas, everyone's coming back to Australia. Fair enough, they want to get away from where they were elsewhere in the world. They're trying to come home and they get put in quarantine for two weeks. There were people hired to guard those quarantine hotels and make sure they didn't leak because there was COVID mm-hmm. in them. They were hired over a 24-hour period by WhatsApp. The federal government offered support from the army. Other states took it, including New South Wales, with even more people and more arrivals from overseas, more potential problem with COVID, and it was dealt with effectively, efficiently. In Victoria, they hired a bunch of people who were given minimal training and, Mm. and, and told to do something which they didn't really understand. And so it leaked. And I believe what was happening is they were letting... Letting people uh, who were in quarantine hotels go outside in a laneway behind one of the hotels in the CBD and have a smoko out, outside because you couldn't smoke indoors. 
And then there were homeless people in the streets of Melbourne grabbing the butts and smoking them. And then it's gone. And it's yeah. one of the ways it leaked out of quarantine. That's so that, just one of the ways. So yeah, the but, thing yeah. was, and there was another example of, I don't know, apparently uh, special relations between some of the quarantine guards and, and the inmates in the, mm-hmm. in the quarantine hotel. So a whole bunch of weird things. Now, just briefly back onto the golf, the reason why there's some anger well, in, that's the reason why there's anger, it, isn't well, there, it? Well, there's reason why there's anger, but also that, that, that the, specifically that golf was shut down and that the Mornington Peninsula was included in Greater Melbourne for the purposes of the Ring of Steel, which was the, the way that they, they basically drew a line on a map around Greater Melbourne and said you're not allowed to cross that uh, for any reason at all. Uh, and there's curfews, and that was the, the sort of harsh lockdowns applied to that area. Didn't apply to regional Victoria. The interesting thing about the Mornington Peninsula, particularly when you go south towards uh, where these golf courses are, there's only a few roads. It wouldn't have been that hard to, to close it off. You know, mm. you could have actually done it. There's there's Melbourne Road. There's only a couple of big highways. You know, you can go around the bay or you go on the highway. And of course, there's other ways of circumventing it, but you could pretty well make sure that there wasn't much movement by blocking those key arterial roads that link the peninsula, because it is a peninsula. It's a it finite is. strip of land, easy to, to block off. They didn't do that, so hence people are pissed off. Yeah, and there's look, other things went along with this, not, not just the Gulf. People were coming over from the other side fishing in Sorrento on their boats. Right. But we couldn't take our boats out to go no. fishing. And that's if you've got a little tinny. You couldn't even go out 200 metres and catch the whiting. But they were coming across from Geelong. They're coming across from Queenscliff, and they were anchoring just off Sorrento catching fish. And then you got, we couldn't even go to the, even the jetty. Mm. to catch a fish mm. if you wanted to you know and a lot of people that's their pastime a lot of retired people love to just sit there with their little box and you will sit down at Blair Gary Rye or anywhere and sit on the pier and catch you couldn't even do that yet if you came from Geelong you could just come flying across in your boat sit on the uh, and you could go surfing out there you could do all, all mm. the stuff mm. that we mm. can't mm. do mm. and uh, he wonders why they are very angry down this side of the, the coast and, and, and there's also don't forget since that election uh, in November last year mm-hmm. a whole lot more information has become available about the really parlous state of, of victoria's finances this mm. enormous amount of debt to fund oh. these grand projects that dan andrews cooked up some of which are, are going to be good but you've mm. got to be able to pay for them and you, if you bankrupt the state for decades to come and you cause uh, taxes to go up which they have mm. specific to victorians to pay for all this levies and all the rest of it and he kind of made out when he was asked about it oh you know this was you know it was either save say i'm happy to, to, to be taxing people more because we saved lives with the actions we took well what about new south wales they don't have levies there and they've got a bigger population and more people coming with covid from overseas they didn't have the lockdowns we had nothing like them mm-hmm. they had better contact tracing they had a policy a mindset if you like which was, we don't want to interfere with people's liberties any more than we absolutely have mm. to. Whereas in Victoria, it was completely different. It was, we will ride roughshod over your liberties yep. without any regard, all in the name of, of, of hygiene and, and safety and preventing deaths from COVID. When actually, if you look at which state had the highest death toll of all the states... Victoria. Victoria. Yep. You know, the Gulf is, is in a way the tip of the iceberg. It's mm. the thing that's... It's the thing that has gravitated or, or has, has, has focused because the Premier has, or representatives of him or whatever, he sniffed around at these golf courses with a view to becoming a member. And, and people are saying, well, okay, you shut down golf, you included the peninsula in, in, in um, Greater Melbourne when you didn't have to. But also, what about all this other stuff that's come, especially come to light since you stepped down conveniently from mm. office and left it to, to the people who are taking over from you? 
uh, the new premier and 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 her her team to deal with the legacy of your time as as premier. I mean, he could have he could have theoretically had another three years in office. Mm. So I, I, think it, I think it got to a point though where say with the Commonwealth Games. Now there's 360 million. There's still people getting paid 500,000 a year, and the games got called off months and months and months ago. But mm. those people are still getting paid. They can't get it. But that 360 million could have bought us two or three hospitals. Yes. Now, isn't it amazing where he wanted to put the games was where his his voting was very close. Mm. So therefore, mm. hey, here's a bit of life to your town. Here's a bit of life to your mm. town. Here's mm. a bit of life to mm. your mm. town. Mm. And I think in the back of his mind, I can't say what's in the back of his mind, but. I think there was no intention. They To build what they were going to build, there was no way known that they could have got those constructions, those arenas up and what they wanted to do in that time period. I mean, you already had it set up here in Melbourne. You might as well, if you're going to do it, let it fly in Melbourne. But but the Commonwealth Games, I'm not being rude, but it's like the school sports. It's not, it's not the world involved. It's only a, a small piece of the world. It's the British Empire. So, I mean, the real action is the Olympic Games, and that's what everybody wants to see. People in America aren't watching the Commonwealth Games. People in China couldn't mm. give a toss about mm. it. People mm. in Russia couldn't give a toss. Mm. And most of Europe wouldn't even watch it. Mm. So, and India. You know, mm. you'd be, so you've probably got a, a, a market of maybe, you know, 100 million people compared to 7 billion that would watch the Olympics. So... Mm. A lot of money spent on a waste of time, really. Mm. On, on a, and and, a, and a, a vote things, a, you know, a way to, a way to win, some, a way to win yep. some votes. Yep. Yep. And and you know, you have to wonder whether they actually always plan to cancel the games once the election was over. You know, that's that's a, sort of a real cynical view. Yeah. And I, I have nothing. I, I I'm not sure about that. I can't say that with any certainty that that's what they were doing. But it does seem a bit odd that you'd go, as you've said, you'd, you'd promise it to the regions. Here's a way you're going to get new sporting facilities. You're going to get some tourism. It's going to put you on the map. It's going to be great for, for local sports and, and for kids who are getting interested in sport, all that sort of stuff that the Commonwealth Games, Commonwealth Games are good for. Then the elections won comfortably with a, with a slightly increased majority, remarkably enough. Mm. And then, you, oh, look, I'm going to step down. Uh, how long ago did he step down? A few months ago. Yep. So probably not much more than six months after the election, he's decided to resign. And within that same time frame, they've cancelled the Commonwealth Games. We got the election, so we don't really need it. And as you're saying, there's there's a lot less financial gain from staging the Commonwealth Games because they don't get the advertising dollars that the big events like the Olympic Games can harness. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very good point too. And I think Miss Allen, as she comes as the Premier, I'm going to be transparent this time, not like the other guy. So what happens? Uh, can you come to the inquest about the Commonwealth? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. So she refuses to even go to an inquest. So how can this thing be transparent? I mean, I want to know who and when they decided to pull the pin. Whose idea was it? How did they work the costings out? You know, how did it go from, you know, $2 billion to $7 billion? Why have we paid out $360 million for nothing? And why are we still paying out money? Oh, I'm not going there to tell anyone anything. Well... For God's sake, you know, we could have bought three hospitals with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a, a splurge of wasting money. And we've got a train line now. Look, I, I know we're getting off the golf here, but it's so frustrating because in this town, you can see where it's going to head. It mm. could head to going bankrupt. Mm. And they want to continue trying to build a, a train line from Ascot Vale to Box Hill at a cost of $120 billion. Now, that's their costing, so let's call it 200 in real terms. Mm. $200 billion. We're already down the shooter for about $150 billion. Mm. Our interest rates aren't now 10 million 
a day, they're probably more like 12 because we've dropped on the rating. So on the AAA, so we're paying more interest than any other state because mm. we've borrowed so much mm. and we're a liability. Mm. Now, as it progresses further on and on, this state's going to get to a point where they can't pay anyone. Yeah, and you and I have talked about this. And Labor, mm. uh, as, a, as a political party, does have form. You don't need to cast your mind back mm. to the end of the 1980s, the Kane-Kerner yep. government period, where you know it took Jeff Kennett to come in and clean up the place and, and, and turn things around. And unfortunately, well, some people would say fortunately, some people would say unfortunately, depending which side of the political fence you're on. Jeff kind of jeffed himself in the end, and mm. uh, and then we've been back to Labor ever since, pretty much, with a short stint that, uh, except for a short stint that that uh, Ted Bailey had. At the end of the day, Labor has got form on this. They bankrupted the state government at the end of the 80s, and yet John Kane, the Premier at the time, who presided over that absolute disaster of handling Victoria's finances... He's got the uh, tennis stadium named after him. And I wonder if we stay on this path of having Labor governments in Victoria, it won't be long before that name is perhaps replaced. He's had enough run of, of, of being on it. And we have Daniel Andrews as, as his name on that stadium. So it comes down to legacy and the way people look back on on what he's done. Now, I know that there are listeners that we have who will think that he did a lot of good things. And, and, and it was remarkable that... You know, there were a lot of people in, in Victoria, in Melbourne, who actually supported the measures, that the lockdowns and the measures mm. that he took, Those, even though they were pretty harsh and they cost people money. In Victoria, we've got, I think it's something like 60% of the workforce is in some way connected to the public purse. Mm. So as long as you're being looked after by the government, and the, and the public service, then why would you vote against it? And in fact, you're going to Correct. support it because your hip pocket is being supported. 262 days of lockdown. I mean, I personally, I don't know how you felt, John, but I was blown away to see that outcome of that election. Even though the polls did say, yes, he's likely to win. Yes, we know he's a smart politician, very good campaigner, very good at shutting people down who, who, who criticise him or try to point out unpleasant facts. And a master politician. In fact, I think Jeff Kennett, I remember reading something that he said a while ago. You know, He said that however you regard his actual policies and what he does, you have to take your hat off to him as a master politician, mm, i.e. Great, great on the floor of parliament, great at shutting down dissent within his own ranks or in the opposition or in the media. Ran his own show, I think, and that's how, and that's how we've seen. But I think when you get back to uh, the voting thing, you've got to look, what makes a great government is a great opposition. Now... Mm-hmm. I'm not jumping. People say, oh, you're, you're so against Labor. No, I'm against what's taken place. If Liberal had have done this, I would have been absolutely filthy, just as yes. filthy yes. as if it was Labor. Whoever did it. Yep. 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 Now, I look at the Liberal Party and they're in a disarray. I mean, mm-hmm. they are, you know, so where's your alternative? You're sitting here going, well, you know, I was saying to uh, my daughter and she got to vote and I said, well, look, at this stage, I'd probably vote for Mickey Mouse before I'd vote for mm. for, for uh, the Premier because of what's happened and, and, and the mess, the absolute mess. And she's going, but look at the alternative. And I said, the alternative is not terribly good, mm. but we can't continue like this. We mm. can't – if the alternative can put a handbrake on the spending, I'll vote for him. If the Greens could put a handbrake on the, the spending, I yeah. would have voted for him. Yeah. I'm not chanting Liberal. I'm not chanting Greens. I'm just saying the mess that we've been put yeah. in, and I need it needs to stop. Yep. And and it needs to stop now. I don't know how you do this. Have a look at this city. Even you've got a Lord Mayor that's very happy for people to ride. But this is in Holland. Mm. We don't ride bikes everywhere. You know, people get killed on those bikes. Uh, uh, they're dangerous. Uh, push bikes 
running them all over the place where there's tram lines. It's just dangerous. Cars can't get past. But anyway, they put them there. You can't even get in the city. The city is a disgrace. I was in there uh, yesterday uh, to go and see a concert of Robbie Williams. Fantastic. Um, I could go on forever about how good he was. But we went into the city and Elizabeth Street, I mean, you know what they call it? They call it Urine Alley. It stinks. And, 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 you know, it is a disgrace. And then just the whole place, it's just people living rough. Half the shops are closed down, Mm. but you can ride a bike. And and you know how many bikes I saw? None. Mm. Not even anyone riding through the city. You see a few discarded um, electric uh, scooters and stuff just just thrown on the side of the road. Helmets on the roof of shops. And I think they pulled pulled a huge mass of bikes, of of free bikes that have been out of the the Yarra River. You know, like a huge bunch of them. Hasn't this worked well, you know, for Victoria? Gee, people respected that that little gesture from from the government. We've got, a, we've got enough traffic problems trying to get around Melbourne, mm. let alone not being able to get your car in and out because of these stupid And you bike compare lines. it with, you compare, and you and I, have, we've talked about this in separate uh, separate show, but you know, you compare Sydney, and I was up in the Sydney oh. CBD. I met a mate up there a few months ago and had, had, a, had a, a light meal with him at the end of the day. And Sydney has just got a complete, it's, it's oh. people are proud of the place, it's, it's clean, it's smart, it's got nice shops, it's got, it's got electric, big electric trams that they've put in to move traffic, move people around, yeah. it's got a good train network that services it. It's just a very different vibe now to Melbourne. And Melbourne wasn't, mm. Melbourne, used to, Melbourne used to hold its own against Sydney, but now, now unfortunately, I think that Sydney is, is way ahead Miles on, ahead on many on many levels. And that's a Labor government, so mm. I'm not knocking what they're doing because what they're doing up there is fantastic under a Labor government. Mm. And people think, oh, we're here to, to kick the Labor government around. We're here... And what's going to hold on. people to account? I yeah, think. yeah. I think, that's I think you know what's going on about what's going on. You know how if mm. we've got problems, we've got to stop it. Now you right, go to Sydney, get off an aeroplane up there. How fantastic! Get that? the train. Yeah, that train. You know, I was up there a couple of a month or two ago. That train, seven minutes, and I'm in at the museum station, right in the heart of Sydney. Went to the hotel, a soft hotel, put the bags and walked down the hill, and I'm on, I'm on the water at a restaurant having lunch. Ten minutes later, from getting off the plane now. We've got an airport where they want to run a train line via Sunshine, via Werribee, via everywhere else, when, with a bit of thought, they could have perhaps run it down that viaduct that's next to the Tullamarine Freeway. So straight in, maybe a little bit underground, bang. I don't know what that would cost, maybe maybe $15, $20 billion, but it would be a very direct line, mm. and you could get in and out of the airport, say, in under 15 minutes, mm. because you can do that at Sydney Airport and just about get anywhere in seven or eight minutes. Mm. With the current one they're talking about, we're talking 40 minutes to get to Melbourne while on a train, well, you might as well go on the airport bus. That does it in 28 minutes, 30 minutes, depending and yet, on the And yet when they built the Tullamarine Airport, I think in the 60s or yep. 70s, there's actually, uh, they, they allowed for a train that the designers, the architects mm. said, yeah, eventually you can have a train that gets people out from the Melbourne centre to yep. here. And there's a there's an area, I think, underneath the airport that's been set aside mm. for the, the sort of terminus, the airport terminus yep. of a train. So yep. it's been planned for for years. But I think there was, you know, there, there was a lot of money to be made from car parking and tolls and all the rest yep. of it on the freeway. And then once you yep. got out there, we don't need to go any more about it. During the massive lockdowns that we had 242 days of lockdown the longest cumulative lockdown of any city in the entire world there were people who just refused to follow the rules so if you were out you know you just thought oh, i'm just going to go around to my mate's place and it's a bit of a hike to get there or i'm going to go to the park and stay for a bit longer than i'm supposed to or i'm going to do something drive my car and i don't know go anywhere not that there was a lot to do because everything was closed but 
if the police were patrolling, there was the, the so-called ring of steel around the city of Melbourne, <laughs> which, which, you know, they were literally, they Sorry. were like roadblocks. They were stopping yeah. people. I mean, this is a very, very dystopian, almost Orwellian period for, for Melburnians to go through. And, you know, some people argue that there's mass PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder for, amongst the whole city because everyone went through this really horrible period and it went on and on and on. A lot of fines were issued. Apparently 30,000 of those fines for COVID-19 infringements that are still outstanding. The latest data to a parliamentary inquiry recently revealed 28,356 remain unpaid. That compares to just 5,807 that have been paid in full and about 3,000 more under a form of payment plan where you say, okay, I'm going to pay it off in dribs and drabs. Now, apparently there was a million dollars invested by the government to set up a concession scheme for offenders. So they spent money to try to make it more, to streamline and make it more likely that they would get paid the fines from those 30,000 infringement notices. And this was literally, they were all related to the pandemic, to breaking rules that only existed. That wasn't for speeding because, you know, speeding fines are a separate thing. Mm-hmm. This was all for for COVID-19 condition, uh, you know, the, the, the rules that were brought in by the, the state government of Victoria to deal with, with COVID-19, what they thought they would, how they, they would deal with it. They're not related to anything else. So it's a lot of money. They spend a lot of money. They invested a million dollars to try to uh, to get people to pay that money. And so far, a lot of people have not paid it. And it works out because of that million dollar investment and the number of fines that haven't been paid. Uh, the government ha- has incurred a cost of $4,784 to recoup each of the $209 infringements covered under the scheme so far. Just 15 million of the $100 million COVID fines issued have been recovered to date. $100 million, so $85 million of fines outstanding. Now, I'm not saying for a moment, actually, that people should have to pay that $85 million. How uh, much is the fine, too, if, if you're sprung? Well, it, it varied. It varied. Oh, okay. You know, it varied. But, a, a, but I think they're, they're averaging it out. Well, they're saying they're saying each of the two hundred and nine dollar infringements oh, covered under the scheme. Okay. But but it might. I mean, I know that there were examples. If you were driving around after curfew without a valid excuse, I think it could be up to five thousand dollars per infringement. They were pretty hefty. And I know a guy who used to drive around. He was on the other side. He was over in Geelong, so he didn't have to cop the restrictions that Greater Melbourne did, including the Mornington Peninsula. Controversially, the Mornington Peninsula. But he used to carry a copy of the constitution in his glove box <laughs> and he'd have it opened at the bit saying you know i'm allowed to be free under australian yeah. law under the constitution of the country so he'd show it to the cops cops would just say thanks for that here's your five thousand dollar fine see you later and he just hasn't paid it doesn't plan to so there's people who are who, who look at this as just like well i should never have been subjected to those lockdowns anyway they achieve nothing and they were way too draconian. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to pay the fine. The last thing I'm going to do is pay the fine. $85 million of unpaid fines out of a total of $100 million owed to the government during for, for, for breaches of their COVID rules. So where do we go from here? Do we then turn around and say, okay, we want that money, and we go and spend $200 million trying to get it back? Do we do that? Well, this is the sort of thing. I mean, they've, they've already invested a million to try to streamline the, the, and make it more... 
enticing for people to pay the fines that, that they owe. I think that, that these fines must be tr- being treated differently because if you have a, a speeding fine or a parking fine and you just don't pay it, that goes on for long enough, right? Yep. They, they start adding to the cost of it and eventually you, you, uh, you go to court. And if you don't front up at court, you will, you know, you'll have the book thrown at you. And in some instances, if you have enough in the way of fines, you try to leave the country, they'll stop you at the, at the border. Well, they actually come out of your house and they actually yeah, they will send them. take things from you yeah, too. They'll yeah. say, well, you owe us 10 grand. Yeah, we'll take your TV, we'll yeah. take your car. And it depends who you are too because some people don't get to anything taken off them, which surprised me. Mm. There was a, a, a case there where a well-known actor had something like $50,000 fines and, and he put up health issues and uh, that he'd oh, had yeah. a, a, a bit of a drug problem, I guess. Mm. And he put that up as a health issue issue now that, that's been the great excuse of all time you know that mm. you know i've got a problem with drugs therefore i've got a health problem mm. so he only had to pay you know probably a couple of grand mm. yet he owed 50 something thousand they let him off with a, a crappy little couple of grand fine when he owes them fifty thousand. so certain people get lumbered certain people don't i mean it depends what sort of excuse you throw up and i think these days if you say you've got a um a problem with drugs mm. which is normally some uh, they call that a mental a mm. mental health issue. Disease, yeah. A disease. So therefore, mm. just about get away with blue murder. Mm. Uh, if you throw that out, it's amazing just how many people can get off that. And uh, which would bring us on to another show where we could talk about how, how many people are coming to jail these days and why they aren't mm. and why they're getting off. And, uh, and uh, gee, when I was a kid, I can remember a young boy around the corner stole a car and uh, got caught. And he ended up, it might have been his second or third car, he'd had a little crack at. And they're all bombs. But anyway, it was someone's treasure, I guess. Mm. And they put him at Morningstar when he was 16 for 12 months. That's now a winery, isn't it? It is a winery, mm. yes, it is. Mm. So he, he probably wouldn't mind going there now. <laughs> now it's lovely. <laughs> but at the time, it wasn't a really good place to go. No. And Morningstar was... And I think they had, some, they had some bad... Repu- some Ooh, yeah. nasty things happen in the They certainly hand. did. Yeah. And that's what happened if you knocked a car off. Here, half the time I asked the judge, can we keep it? And uh, truly, it's, it's, it's astounding, you know, when you read these the, in the paper, these the 16th car is knocked off and they give him another 500 hours, you know, service to, not jail, you know, just to go out and do some public works. And they don't even do that. Mm. And, uh, and so where's the... But, but I just wonder with these fines, you know, mm. I presume they are being treated differently by authorities, by the, the organisations that's that's charged with their collection and receipt. Well, is there uh, an organisation that collects well, them? Well, 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 just as there is, you know, the, the if you get a, if you drive through a red light and there's a camera on it, then you know that's the the traffic camera office or whatever it is you, you know it's there's a particular organization that handles the collection of fines for the government and they are the, the people you deal with if you wanted to space it out and pay it off in installments and all those sort of things that they they will let you do and you can kind of write a letter to them and you know in some cases you can write a letter sort of saying look i've got a good clean record up until now and i don't want to lose my license so can you cut me some slack and sometimes they do yep. they'll, they'll take those those things into into account but in the case of these fines, I I just wonder whether they are being treated differently to other fines because otherwise, these people who copped out, say it was just the lower amount of two hundred nine dollars, but I think they did go up from there. But I just wonder whether they've 
because they haven't been paid and it's been going on for years that and, and presumably multiple letters or multiple attempts have been made to try to recoup these fines then they get treated like other fines and then they start going up and up and up in value whether that's happened or not i'm not sure but you should see if anyone's fine has gone up i mean could it be like if you went for a red light or drink driving and you lost your license say for whatever it is six nine twelve months could we then turn around at these people and say, well, look, here's the rules. You've got to stay home for three months. Mm. You can't leave your house. Mm. Because what are you going to do to them if you're not going to find them, if you can't get the fine, you might as well just tear the thing up because it's costing us a lot of money to try and get a little bit of money back. Yeah. I mean, common that- sense has got to fly into this. And, and look, personally, I think it was just, uh, look, Good luck to those people that left. I mean, at least they had the, the guts to say, I've had enough of this. And uh, and to realise that the whole thing was not just federally and state. It was all of them combined together made something out bigger than what it was. Mm. Um, and we still lost. We still, before we got the uh, uh, COVID-19, we are losing about 2,000 people a year in Victoria from dying from flu, from COVID. So when you get to 80 or 90, you get a respiratory problem, you get pneumonia, you will die. Unfortunately, mm. that's what happens. Mm. Now, with this, uh, we had an extra probably 2,000 die. So it wasn't like we... And, and any life's valuable. But it wasn't like we lost when they all thought hundreds of thousands were going to die. Mm. And that's why they put, put us into this. Now, there was not enough research into the disease. There was not enough doctors saying, well, look, it's how bad is it? And, yeah, it is killing older people, but there was some people got it and they didn't even know they had it. Mm. So it reacted differently on people, but it's like any flu, you know, you get, and this is just a stronger flu, but it's a flu. Now, we've all probably had the injections, your good self. Yeah, I've had some of them. Yeah, yeah, I've had quite a few, but whether or not that stopped it, I don't know. You had to be careful in hospitals. I was actually in hospital and uh, uh, the doctor came in and I had some... uh, I had some surgery anyway, and my stomach had split, so I had to put a mesh in. And uh, the guy said, you're in for four days. Well, he came in straight after. He said, pack your gear and get out because COVID's just hit the hospital or they're going to announce it today. And once that happens, you don't get out for 14 days. So yeah, you better get out, get out now. Yeah, yeah. So I You didn't want to out. wind up in hospital during that period, absolutely. No, but, no. I mean, imagine how you'd feel, though, if you've been one of those those people. So out of that big mass of, say, 30,000 people who, who copped a, a COVID fine... Uh, out of them, 5,807 have paid in full, mm-hmm. and then there's another 3,000. So let's so that's about so it's 9,000. So, so it's approximately approximately one third of the total number of fines yeah. are being paid or have been paid. Now, how would those people feel if there's any kind of forgiveness? of the remaining outstanding COVID fines. You know, this is the problem they've got. Do they give the money back? Do you go to Slater and Gordon? Do they? And, uh, I mean, it's either on or it's off. So I, I think if you get to this stage, you haven't got the money and it's a couple of years later, look, let the thing go because you're not going to get it. Mm. Uh, and, and some people say, well, I'd rather go to jail than pay this because mm. my beliefs were this mm. and this and this. Mm. And I think when we come to these fines, we have to do research. Who's paying? Who's not paying? And why are they paying? Why do they leave? Everyone has a different story. Mm. I think it would be reasonable to surmise that that two-thirds out of the 30,000 who've refused to pay their COVID fines to the government are doing so on grounds of principle mm. that the whole thing was a breach of rights. This is not me breaking into a bank. This is not me speeding down the highway at 200 k's an hour. This is not me pissed as a fart just driving yeah. home and nearly running people over and all that sort of stuff that, that does warrant a fine yeah. or worse. 
This is people who got caught for breaching the uh, the curfew without a valid reason for doing something. Oh, what are you doing here? Okay, you're at these shops, but you live 20 k's away on the other side of Melbourne. Why are you here? Okay, well, sorry, but we're going to fine you because you're outside your 5k radius. Yep. And you can't tell us that these you could go to shops that are close to you than here. Well, you could go for a walk and, and say, you know, you work during the day and you've done 10, 12-hour day in an office somewhere or wherever you're working. If you can't go to an office wherever you were, then you go for a walk and then all of a sudden you're trying to get home you're 3k from your place and it's gone after nine o'clock and you get arrested for being out in the street yet you're you haven't used your full hour for your walk i mean where do you stop this thing because and, it's just and i remember ludicrous. i remember being in melbourne one night when there was there was an 8 p.m curfew and it was about 10 p.m yep. probably a couple of k's a few k's out of the cbd of melbourne and the eastern suburbs and there was gridlock traffic yeah. it's like hang on so everyone's supposed to be home and hosed and not doing anything, not on but road. everyone had an exception. Yeah. Obviously, they must have all had an exception to be out. And, and I don't even the police had given up by that stage. You oh, know? I think common sense took it. You know, if you got pulled up, you say, oh, my mother's sick. I've got to race over. She lives in yeah, yeah. Cranbourne. She lives well, here. Well, you could be driving the cops anywhere. Going to stop you're going so. to visit a significant yeah. other. You know, you say, yeah. look, I'm, I'm driving it. Why are you going out to the countryside? Why are you driving out to South Gippsland, out the freeway? Because I've got a, a, I've got a, a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend out yeah. here who I'm going to visit. Yeah. A significant other, and that, and as if the police had the resources or the time or the inclination yeah. to try to chase all those things up. Unfortunately, the people who got done sort of probably got done for fairly obvious things, which were hard to you know explain away. But if you did know what to say, i.e., going visiting a significant other, note to self: remember for the next pandemic. Yeah, I, be- I believe there's a few dodgy things circulating around in China at the moment. They're talking about viruses and shit uh, over there as well. So never say never again. Unfortunately, mm, yeah, let's hope not. But I don't think I don't think these restrictions, and I don't think the kind of level of lockdown and that breach of, of personal freedoms will ever be tolerated again. Certainly not in Melbourne.